0: thank you for listening to True Crime Cam out of all the other true crime podcasts out there. This week, we are doing another much-requested Let's Not Meet episode. This first one is titled, I Was Stalked Because of a Single Act of Meaningless Kindness. Just to preface this story, this happened about 12 years ago, when I was around 13 years old. The memories and emotions of this incident had faded away into the back of my mind, but recently I started having flashbacks of this incident, and it led to multiple panic attacks while driving-slash-in-public. After some deliberation, I thought perhaps writing about it and sharing it with a community that might understand the fear of experiencing this sort of thing might help me feel validated with my emotions. So here goes. I was 13 years old living abroad when this happened. To give a short background info, this might help you understand the story better. I was living in an apartment complex. Every morning, the school buses would arrive at the main entrance of the entire complex and pick up the kids for school. The church I was attending at the time also operated buses to help people get back home. So every Sunday after the services were done, I would take the church bus back home. I never doubted my sense of security and safeness, since this kind of system made me feel safe and protected. That was until I met him on one Sunday morning. I was a church kid, and quite involved, too. I was serving the youth group as part of the welcome team for newcomers when I met him. He entered the chapel with his mother following behind, and she explained that they had recently moved to the country and we're just starting to settle down. My first impression of him was that he was lanky, shy, and very quiet. He seemed so harmless, innocent, naive. So when his mother left him after filling out the form, I gave him a smile, greeted him, led him to an empty seat, and I thought nothing more of him. Until I saw him again in my small group. So I greeted him again. Saying something like, So nice to see you again. I still remember how he just shyly nodded, not really answering me. When the small group time ended, I took out haichu, Korean soft candy, and gave one to everyone in the group, even the teacher. And as I handed the rectangular candy to him, he softly whispered, Thank you. And walked away. That was the first time I heard him speak. I hadn't realized that he was living in the same complex as me until I got off the church bus and saw him coming down the steps of the bus as well. It was a funny coincidence, so I told him how weird it was that we were in the same small group and also living in the same complex. He nodded again, and I walked off first because he was waiting for his mom and little sister who were coming behind him. My apartment building was number 20 the first in the row of buildings. I had opened the door and was about to go in when he followed behind me. Me, still in that newcomer greeting mode, responded to this by asking him if he was living in the same building as well. He nodded again. I noticed that his mother and his sister were not here yet, so I got into the elevator first, asked him if he was going to wait for them, and gave him my goodbye when he quietly nodded yes. The next morning, I saw him waiting in the lobby when I got out of the elevator. He was alone, and I asked him if he was waiting for his sister. He nodded, so I just gave him a quick, have a nice day, and ran off, so that I wouldn't miss the school bus. And for every day of that week, I saw him waiting for his sister in the lobby, standing in the corner, right in front of the elevators. I didn't think much of it. I would always say hi or good morning to him, and he would just nod or wave timidly. There was nothing more to it than that. That is, until one Sunday when I got back home after church. He was walking behind me, this time together with his sister and mom. So I thought I would be a nice girl and hold the door for them. So I waited, holding the door open. Only to have all three of them walk right past my building. Strange, I thought, so I peeked my head out to see that they were entering building number 15, which was five buildings down the street. At first, I didn't think much of it, thinking they might have moved out of building 20 and into building 15. But when I stepped out of the elevator the next morning to see him again in the lobby, in the same corner he was standing in every morning, my heart sank deep. I don't know how I responded to it, but I remember choosing not to confront him because I was in denial that this was actually happening and didn't have the courage to ask him for an answer. Things quickly progressed since that day. I started getting late-night calls to my cell phone, the typical, not going to speak, but just going to breathe heavily Kind of call that you get that makes you feel insecure, even though you know you are safe in your room. He also stopped waiting for me in the lobby since that morning, but would stand in the far corner of the street every day and watch me wait for and get on the bus. Me becoming hyper didn't help with the situation either. I could always spot him watching me, even though he would often try to hide behind a thick tree or the guard's cabin. It made me feel sick to my stomach. But I don't think I felt so threatened and cornered to the point, at least in that moment, that I wanted to seek adult help. I was a very, very private teenager who was already keeping some traumatic experiences a secret from my parents. So naturally, this felt like another secret that I would keep so they wouldn't worry about me. At church, I kept up my bright facade but would distance myself as far as possible to avoid any sort of contact with him. I actively put this distance between him and me, because whenever I decided to play by my facade and say hi to him, instead of returning my greetings, he would stare, once in my face, and then just drop his gaze to my private areas. The fact that it was summer and I was wearing shorts did not help at all, whenever he stared at my thighs and between my legs. The shame. The embarrassment. The feeling that I was being dirtied by his gaze. The anxiety. The paranoia. It was too much for me. I started skipping the small group session, and left right after the youth group ended so I would avoid getting home with him at the same time. On days that I did happen to attend small group, I just sat quietly unwilling to speak a single word, while he stared at me intensely. One day, while the teacher was leading the discussion, he suddenly burst into an angry yell, shouting, Why do you keep ignoring me when you clearly know that I like you? Needless to say, I was embarrassed, ashamed, shocked, and terrified, all at the same time. The teacher tried to de-escalate the situation, But he stormed out after yelling at how frustrated he was with me for not returning his affection. I wanted to leave as well, but the fear that I might run into him made me stay in my seat while everyone in the group quietly whispered among themselves about this sudden drama that happened before them. It was a huge shock to me that he was doing all these things because he liked me, but what shook me more at that moment was the fact that the teacher didn't seem to be phased at all by the sudden outburst. She didn't seem surprised by the fact that he had such feelings for me. Instead, she casted glances at me with some sort of knowing in her eyes. I had always wondered how he got a hold of my phone number. This was it. The teacher dismissed everyone but asked me to stay. I was always the model student at church, but the moment I was left alone with her, I lost it. I cursed and swore and demanded her to tell me if she knew if she knew how much he was making my life miserable. She told me she knew he liked me. Apparently he started liking me because of that stupid-ass candy I gave him on the first day. She had given him my number, because she thought it was cute, seeing him like me so much. So I told her what he had been doing. How he waited for me every morning in the lobby, even though he lived in a different building. How he would stare and watch me from the corner of the street. How he would stare between my thighs and my chest. How he would call me late at night, with the heavy breathing and all. I was having trouble speaking and breathing because of how much I was crying. But I remember yelling, He is like a fucking stalker. And that was when I fully realized that I was being stalked. When I became quiet due to the shock of the realization The teacher took her chance to speak and told me that he was a mentally troubled kid who didn't know better, so I just needed to bear with it. That was the end of the conversation. Honestly, there is a gap in my memory after that day, so it's hard for me to recall what events had led up to it. But the last time I saw him was when I had the most fearful encounter with him. I was already on the church bus waiting. There were two girls sitting a couple of rows ahead of me, and the bus was silent other than that. I was sitting by the aisle when I saw him get on the bus. The strange thing was that when he got on, the two girls suddenly turned extremely hostile towards him and told him to get the fuck off the bus, calling him a fucking pervert. He responded angrily, quote, Well, you whores aren't the ones I want to see anyways, so shut up. This was the first time I heard him speak such profanities, so honestly I was shocked. Then he fixed his eyes straight at me, walked over to where I was, and sat a row diagonally behind my seat. My heart was pounding at this point, and I wanted to sit by the window to hide from his gaze, but I was scared scared that he would think of it as an invitation to sit next to me. So I stayed frozen in my seat until more people came in, and only moved to the window seat when an adult asked if they could sit next to me. I think there was an instinctive feeling that told me I couldn't get off together with him. So I purposely got off at the stop before my apartment. It was only a 600 meter walk from the bus stop to my home so I mixed in with the people and got off the bus with them. The bus had stopped by the side entrance of another apartment complex. I just needed to walk down the street to get to mine, but the street was empty and deserted, because it was one of those areas that were waiting to be developed by the city. So I started walking towards my home, when I realized that he had also gotten off with me. He was walking a few feet behind me, and my gut wrenched as he got closer and closer. Something told me being alone with him on the street was dangerous, so I broke into a run until I saw an alleyway that parted off from the road. I turned into the alley and was relieved when I saw that there were smaller shops that were busy with people. There were people hanging in the alleyway, chilling by the benches outside and stuff. I was certain that he couldn't have followed me into the alleyway after I had ran, but still looked behind to check just in case. But there he was, still following me. He had ran after me. My relief quickly turned into terror, and I hastened my pace, purposely weaving in between the people in hopes of losing him. But whenever I looked back, I could still see him. Eventually the people hanging by the shops thinned out, and I was walking in an empty alleyway. On the opposite end of the alley, I could see that there was a bigger road with more cars and people. I was already quite out of breath, as I wasn't a fit person. But with my last bit of strength, I ran from the busy road, hoping to lose him, if he was still behind me. I stopped once I reached the busy road, and turned around to look into an empty alley. I stood for an extra minute staring into the alley to confirm that he wasn't following me. Fortunately, my friend's house was close by, and so I stayed at her place until I felt it was safe enough to walk back home. That was the last time I saw him. I stopped going to the small groups. I started serving children's department as an accompanist so I could avoid going to the youth group. I didn't see him again after that. But one time I happened to meet my small group teacher, and she told me that he had left the country. Apparently, he was reported multiple times at school for lewd behavior, such as sneaking into the girls' restroom. That was why the girls on the bus were grossed out by him. And in the end, he had to be expelled from the school. I think that was when I decided to bury the terror and fear away, because he was no longer an immediate threat in my life. This next story is titled. To the boy, I made the mistake of befriending, let's not meet again. It was high school. I always spent my time in the art classroom as it was one of the few things that made me happy. Pottery was my one true love during high school. I made bowls, cups, teapots, whatever made me happy. In my blissful ignorance, I was sure that everyone in my class was nice and genuinely kind people. And for the most part, I was right. I befriended most of them, or at least kept on friendly, positive terms, but mostly always had my headphones in, and was zoned in on the pottery wheel or another art project that was due. I made the mistake of befriending a junior boy as a sophomore, Isaac. Now, Isaac seemed nice and normal. You know how sometimes people seem a little bit off, and that's why people give them a chance? Well, that wasn't the case. Either that, or I was too dumb to see all the red flags. He was kind and helpful to everyone. And it gives me the heebie-jeebies to say this, but in the beginning, I actually had a crush on him. Fortunately, I had reserved myself to not dating, due to some soul-crushing insecurities, and never really shared or pursued my romantic feelings with anyone, not even my closest friends. However, midway into our first semester, I started to get the creeped-out feelings. I would catch him looking at me, which he would smile and wave, so I didn't try to think much of it. Then I noticed how he seemed always to just be there, to make conversation. If I mentioned being interested even the slightest bit in something, he would go up and out of his way to learn everything about it, or even gift it to me. He ended up giving me a copy of a movie franchise I was interested in, and I never watched it because I didn't want to invite any more conversation with him than I had to, but things weren't bad yet. I had no clue he was stalking me. I just thought maybe he liked me and was a little weird about it. My memory is a little foggy at this point because this is when I realized, wait, no, there's something fucking wrong with this guy and that is just my brain's defense mechanism, apparently. So our semester final is coming up. We had a very special project that I still hold dear to my heart, but it was rather unique, so I didn't want to share the details. I will say that I poured my heart into this project, however, and could not be happier to this day with how it went. The only good thing in this story, LMAO. After the final, we all stood together with our projects for group pictures. Isaac stood next to me, and a close friend of mine who picked up on how creepy Isaac had gotten way before I did. Now, I'm gonna mention I had an ED, and I am non-binary, and at the very least looked like an underweight tomboy lesbian. Short hair, stretched ears, a flannel, and a binder to hide my chest. Even from my small town, how did more people not guess I was queer? Anyways, that is important, because I was very insecure about how feminine my figure was. And I did not take compliments well. Okay, back to the story. So we were all standing to get our picture taken. And while our teacher is figuring out everything, Isaac turns to me and says, You look really nice today. I smile and nod, saying thank you and being polite. But it doesn't end there. He proceeds to tell me, I like your shirt. It looks really good on you. My smile dropped, and I said something I don't remember, to try and deflect the comment. He only smiles and leans into me, saying, Don't say that. You're beautiful, don't you know? Red flag, red flag, red flag. But me being me, I was terrified, uncomfortable, and frozen to the spot. Luckily, my friend was watching the whole thing right beside me. He goes on to say, You're so shy, it's really cute. And at this point, my friend interrupts yelling, Anyways, and physically moves me to the other side and takes my place. Was I about to cry? Yes. Did I? Also yes. Later in the bathroom. She asks me if I'm okay and I nod. But she knows I am not okay. From there on out, I actively start avoiding him, and he notices. I don't remember if this happened in my sophomore year or my junior year, so this might not be entirely accurate time-wise, but let's just say the new year starts. I get into our AP art class. I figure out my schedule, reluctantly say hi to Isaac and everyone else, and soon it's business as usual traveling dead-eyed from one classroom to another. But very quickly I notice, any classes I had on the first floor, Isaac was always there to chat me up. I would smile politely and walk as quickly to my next class as I could. But it felt like he was always there. Then it happened. I'm in the art room working on the wheel with a group of others. And he comes over and either kneels or sits across from me. He would always try to talk to me while I was throwing on the wheel, even when I had headphones in. And he starts to work his way into asking me out, in front of everyone. I'm very familiar with people trying to get you to do something you don't want to do in a public setting, in hopes that you will say yes as to not make a scene. But I was very tired of being polite, even though everyone else could tell I was uncomfortable. Quote, So I was thinking maybe we could... No. One of the first goddamn times I ever told someone no in my entire life, and I thought I was going to get murdered for it. He freaks out. I honestly don't remember what happened. I just remember I ended up on the other side of the classroom, and his friend physically dragged him out into the other room and put him in his place. His friend comes back out and asks me if I'm okay, and tells me he's sorry for Isaac's outburst, and I don't even remember what I said. I just know that I wasn't in the room when Isaac returned. After that, I really noticed the fact that he was following me. This whole time. I had made a few more upperclassmen friends, who picked up on this as well, and I am so grateful for them. But they couldn't always be around. He followed me from class to class. Sometimes trying to talk to me, sometimes falling behind me, sometimes walking right next to me the entire time. He would find me in the cafeteria, where I had the horrible luck of not sharing it with anyone who knew, and he would wait for me to leave the school and follow me to the bus. I decided fuck this and told my dad. I thought if anyone could scare this guy into not looking in my direction ever again, it would be my dad. The guy who's head chef and bartender at the restaurant he works at. The guy who throws out rowdy drunks. And beat the shit out of a dude who tried to sucker punch him after trying to bail on his check. This motherfucker scares all my friends on accident. He will scare this boy for sure. Except he didn't believe me. He told me later that he didn't think I was serious, and thought I was just exaggerating. So I told my counselor, quote, Oh, but Isaac is such a nice boy. He's just a little awkward. And then I told my art teacher, Quote, some people just show emotions differently. I can't do anything about that. Cool. I had a few friends who could keep him away for me a few times a week, and absolutely no adults to help me. So I stopped going to the art room outside of class, and I stopped going to lunch, and then class. The only time he wasn't there watching me was when I lost him in the crowd of kids and hid in the bathroom until the bell rang. I cut across the road to get to the buses, which I continuously got yelled at for, but it was the only way I could get away from him. He never laid a hand on me, thank God, but the mental games were exhausting. I was paranoid, tired, and anxious. I found out how to get into the art room when no one was there, however. Upper-class art students were notorious for just always being in the art room. It was technically three connected rooms. The main entrance was a storage area, which led to the regular classroom, and out the side was the ceramics room, with another door. So being the evolving burnout I was, I snuck in early morning, unlocked the ceramics door, which was always supposed to be locked, and when my teacher was teaching a lower class, or just wasn't there, I would sneak in. I felt like I had my space back. And for a while, I actually thought things were getting better. Have you ever sat in a public bathroom for six hours before? It's fucking awful. So I was so happy to have the art room back. I would throw my backpack down, pull my hair back, blast my music, and just vibe. I got pretty comfortable with going into the rest of the art room. And one day, a fucking course, I came out to clean a few paintbrushes and see him walking through to talk to our teacher. And wouldn't you know it, he sees me. So I go back into the ceramics room alone, like the dumbest final girl from a horror movie, and almost immediately, he is shutting the door behind us. I'm fucking shaking, and just hoping he leaves. But he starts talking. Quote, Where have you been? I don't see you anymore. You're hard to find. Do you hate me? Do you hate me that much? Well, at least I really was hiding from him, if he couldn't find me. I don't remember if I said anything. I just remember everything felt like it was in slow motion. He seemed really close to me, and I think I said I had to go, and I fucking booked it out of there and into the nurse's office. Come to think of it, I should have told the nurse, or my history teacher, or our security guy. They had more sympathy on their left pinky than the entire rest of the staff put together. After that, I really didn't go anywhere unless someone was with me. Even then, I felt him staring at me, and without fail, I could pick him out of the crowd, watching me. He didn't smile, or wave, or even avert his eyes. And I was very convinced something bad would happen if I was ever alone with him again. I didn't bother telling anyone anymore, because every adult turned me down and dismissed me. Hell, my own dad didn't even believe me. The last time that I'm aware he saw me was the end of my junior year. The seniors were all out of school early like always, and he had stopped in for something, as I was skipping class and wandering the halls. Because that class was led by a homophobic racist that talked down his nose at me and made nasty comments to all the girls. I had my headphones in and was swinging the hall pass around when I saw him walking toward me and waving. I immediately turned around and basically ran up the stairs to the second floor. He called my name, then yelled it. He yelled something else before finally yelling, What, you're just never going to talk to me again? And, uh, yeah, I never did. I know it's not as intense as what others have gone through, but it's the mind games and the lack of knowing that still keeps me up at night and gives me nightmares. What all did he do that I wasn't aware of? How long did he really follow me? How long did he keep tabs on me after he graduated, if he did at all? What if he never stopped? High school was hell, the teachers were demons, and Isaac, if you ever see this, let's never meet again. This next story is titled, My Uber Driver Took Me to an Abandoned Building and Followed Me Out of the Car. I work in food service, front of the house, so in the early days of the pandemic with restaurants closed, I was taking work wherever I could find it. An old friend clued me into a medical office that needed someone to come in and do a bit of light filing. I was able to go in at night to limit direct contact with people, so I jumped at the opportunity right away. Ironically, the medical office job had been the safest gig I'd been offered thus far, COVID-wise. I wanted to avoid the bus if I could due to the crowds, so I decided to swing for a rideshare app. It's not all that expensive in my area and I really didn't want a virus. I headed in at almost 3am because it was after the cleaning crew had left. I was kicking myself for being so cautious, though, because I was exhausted. I stumbled onto the block looking for my ride, and to my tired self's great relief, the car spotted me almost immediately and pulled up asking, Uber? while I cluelessly wandered up and down the street searching. The ride was taking a while, but I'd only just moved here last year, so I'm not familiar with all the surrounding areas and thought nothing of it, so I was trying to pass the time playing games on my phone and stuff. But the car didn't have a compatible phone charger, and I wasn't sure the building would have one. So I wanted to save my battery to be able to call a ride back. I shut my phone down into airplane mode, and eventually drifted off from a combination of tiredness and boredom. I don't often take a ride share, so being alone with a strange driver often put me a bit on edge. But this guy had a pretty boring car and a very standard look about him. He looked a little like my brother, even. Young, clean kept, listening to jazz, nothing that screamed, you need to micromanage this trip. When we arrived, the driver tried to wake me up by calling to me from the front, but I was in too deep of a sleep and I couldn't fully distinguish it from my dream. Finally, he awkwardly jimmied my leg to wake me up and kept saying, ma'am, ma'am, we're here now. I was embarrassed that I'd been that out of it, so just gave a hurried thanks and booked it out of the car and into the building. As I looked around, I began to realize nothing was what I had expected of an office park. I had seen a street view of the building when I first looked up the business, and it appeared to be a strip mall plaza. The further I went, the more loudly alarm bells were ringing in my gut. The structure was semi-dilapidated, and it was pitch black dark past the entryway. I expected some lights to be off in the nighttime. But not to the whole building. I skittered across the concrete foundation, comprising what was left of the lobby area, told myself they must just be renovating, and followed signs for the stairs. After what felt like ages but was likely just a few minutes, all I had passed was construction equipment, a couple locked doors, and some smashed windows. I was certain I was not going to find a medical office and figured maybe I'd mixed up the address. I took out my phone to double-check, but once I got out of airplane mode, I could barely get a signal. I kept moving around in the building, pacing, looking for a stronger signal. I eventually confirmed in my text that I had written down the correct address, just by scrolling back, which didn't require service. Since I had only been inside for a few minutes at most, I figured I should try and get in touch with the driver because if I entered the correct address, then it was only fair he should continue my ride to the correct place, and save me the added fees of calling a second trip, considering this was all his mix-up. The app was taking forever to load, with my slow service, but before I could get to a cloud of reception, I heard a rustling sound in the lower level of the building. I was on the top floor, and the only stairwell I was aware of was the one that I had taken up, so there was no way to exit this situation without encountering whoever was downstairs. In an abandoned building in the latest hours of the night, I figured the chances were high that it was a tweaker, and I had no desire to try slipping past a tweaker. Especially when it was late enough that they were probably on something, so jumpy and on edge. I tried to get a text out to a group of friends with my address and a request to call 911 to help get me from the property, because I didn't feel safe walking in the neighborhood at night and didn't have enough reception to call a new ride. But the message wasn't sending. Reception was too weak. So I gave up on getting my phone going and started checking for another stairwell, or even windows with balconies or dumpsters that could be used to exit the second floor as a last resort, in the event that whoever was downstairs came upstairs. I scrambled over to a door with a stairs sign on it, but the stairs were completely dilapidated and it was essentially just a straight drop down to the first floor. At that point, the worst case scenario began to unfold. I heard whoever was downstairs begin making their way up the stairs. I thought fast and figured based on my walk about the floor, it was basically a giant loop. So I would have to wait for whoever this was to come up the stairs, wait for them to come all the way up, and then sprint the opposite direction of wherever they were going, and try to get down the stairs and get out of the building in time to make it out to the road without encountering them. I was not anticipating being chased or anything, but didn't want to piss off a druggie or have a homeless person who might be living there feel as though I'd trespassed and become hostile towards me, or have any sort of interaction that could possibly occur at that hour in an abandoned industrial park. I held my breath for what felt like five minutes but was likely closer to just 30 seconds, and the person appeared at the top of the stairs. To my greatest relief, it was just the Uber driver. I figured he had come back for me, realizing he had left me in the wrong spot, a place that could have worked out to be dangerous. So I came out from the beam I was hidden behind, and I started to wave him down. But then I processed. There was no way for him to realize this had been the wrong address. My stomach lurched forward and my blood chilled to slush. I made eye contact with him very briefly, and he was completely calm and composed, but breathing pretty heavily and blocking the stairwell down. On a normal, rational day as an outside observer, I could think of a dozen innocent reasons he might have returned. But in the moment, standing across from him, I just knew in my gut that this was someone with ill intent. I can't remember much more from the ensuing few minutes. Operating solely on muscle memory and instinct, I superman dove for the second stairwell's opening, and I just let myself fall down the drop. Thankfully, I don't think he'd seen where I'd gone at first. And though I was in too much pain to know it then, plenty was bruised, but nothing was completely broken. I scrambled up and threw myself at anything that seemed like it could be the door. It was too dark to tell. I was disoriented from the fall, and I wasn't in a calm enough mindset to think to use my phone flashlight. Plus, in hindsight, some part of me probably knew it would call too much attention to my location. Just before I was able to reach the door, it flew open with a blinding light beaming straight into my eyes. My first thought, though not totally coherent, was, there's another one of these guys. I screamed, and I stumbled backwards, trying to find something to hide behind. Before I could, a voice called out, Alright, this is the name of town police department. Everyone get on your knees with your hands in the air. I didn't believe it was the police at first. I was in such a flight-or-fight mode and had already committed to flight that I continued looking for ways to get out. But he kept shining the flashlight right at me as I teetered around and yelled, Hey, I sit on the ground right now hands out, hands out where I can see them. He sounded so authoritative that I just automatically did exactly as he asked. He approached me and finally shined the light away from me. It took a second to get my night vision, but once I did, I could see he was really a police officer. I tried to explain what was happening, but first he started asking me all these questions. And that, combined with what had just happened, and my fear of the driver coming back, all snowballed into my being able to form a single, articulate sentence. He was even asking easy questions too, like, can you tell me your name? Do you have any knives, needles, or anything that could poke or cut me? Would you rather talk in here or outside? And my total stunned babbling and response at first led him to believe I was on something. He directed me out to his car and once I was safely out of the building, I was able to start getting my bearings just a little. I sat on the edge of the back seat of the squad car, with the door open facing out, while he stood across from me and asked the same questions again. The first thing I could think to ask was, Did my friends call you? What did they tell you? And he explained, No. Nobody called him. He was patrolling the area, and he noticed a car idling outside of this building, that's known to be condemned and nobody's supposed to be inside, and quote, when they are, they're up to no good. He was launching into a speech about how if I'd gone to shoot up or meet a John, he had resources he could direct me to, and that was not an ideal place to do either of those things, and asking if I had somewhere safe to stay that night. But I was stuck on something else he'd said. Finally, it clicked. The car. I spilled my whole rideshare story in a frantic word vomit. He looked around, and the car wasn't there anymore. The officer guessed the guy had driven off while we were talking inside the building. He asked me all the details I remembered, and I told him, but there weren't many. I'd been too tired when the ride started to track much, but the officer realized I could pull up my Uber app and get all the information. There wasn't really enough reception there, even outdoors. So we sped down the road, and once I had enough bars, the app roared to life. I had four missed notifications from my Uber. They said, Hello, I've arrived. And, I don't see you. Can you confirm the pickup address is correct? And, I'm flashing my hazards. And finally, Unfortunately, your driver had to cancel. At first, I thought the driver was so cunning as to pick me up while sending these fake messages. In canceling so the GPS wouldn't track us, knowing I wouldn't notice because I was asleep with my phone off, and exonerating himself. But instead, I checked the car details, checked again, and it was definitely not the same driver. The person who'd driven me there had not been my Uber. My driver was someone else on the street when this guy pulled up to me. The policemen took my statement and said they would keep an eye out for the guy but the best I could give them to go off was basically young-looking Caucasian male with brown hair, sideburns, goatee, and four-door sedan, wearing a zip-up sweatshirt, maybe had a hood. Which is like, one out of every four guys in the city. I feel so blessed to have survived this near miss. Suffice it to say, I do not take rideshare services anymore. Quadruple check your license plate and driver name. You just never know.